This fall, Quincy College in Quincy, Massachusetts drops the puck on its first ever hockey season in the City of Presidents, just 10 minutes from Boston. The Granite, as they're known, will play in the CHF Collegiate Hockey Federation against Babson, Mass Maritime, Nichols, Sacred Heart, and D3 programs at UNH and Farmingdale State in New York. The Quincy College Granite will be well coached. Kyle Robertson has been coaching regional junior teams for 20 years, and over 100 of his players have gone on to NCAA programs. Kyle's assistant is Matt Gibbs who's been coaching at North Quincy High for 12 years and won three titles there. Three years ago, he was the MIAA Coach of the Year. And as far as the educational part, Quincy College has a lot to offer. 37 different two-year degrees, and it's super affordable. There's even a new four-year business management degree that costs much less than other four-year schools. Want to make some history in a first-year hockey program? Now's your chance. Get more info at quincycollege.edu forward slash hockey. Welcome to Rinkwise with your new host, Stephanie Wood, head coach of the girls' team at Austin Prep and the women's director of the Islanders Hockey Club. Welcome to Rinkwise. I'm your new host, Stephanie Wood, and I'm thrilled to be a leading hockey voice with our most current discussions across New England. Our discussion will be the current hot topic of officiating throughout Massachusetts and New England. Where are we now? How did we get here? And how do we make it better? We're so fortunate to be joined by an all-star cast of officials, Gene Binka, president of Referees Crease, who oversees the development of officials throughout the USA, as well as Katie Gay joins us via Zoom. She is a leading female official in the U.S. who currently serves as a referee in the AHL and NCAA. Welcome both to RinkWise. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So let's jump right in, shall we? We, um, as we said, this is a really hot topic right now in the in the hockey world. You know, so you really can't can't really walk into a rink right now without seeing some sort of a signage or you know attend some sort of a meeting where this topic doesn't come up. So, Gene, why don't you start us off? Where are we currently with the state of officiating? Uh, well, the state of officiating right now is uh, we're at a critical stage, I think. Uh, and what I mean by that is that uh, when I talk about the numbers. I talk about the numbers up top. And what I mean by that is the older, more experienced officials are leaving in droves because of COVID, retirement, just had enough, the abuse. So we're losing a lot of experienced officials that used to help us get through the hump uh, during a regular weekday. What the problem is now is that we don't have enough people coming in to replace them. And along with that replacement is a, a real need to get them up and running with experience. And that seems to be the problem because uh, we're scaring kids out of the game, right? So we might work with an official for one or two years, and then they just have enough. So we, we work with somebody for two years. We feel as though they're ready to make that next jump to the next level, and then we lose them. That's what's the real underlying problem because uh, we, we're always bringing in new officials. But the problem is getting them past that second year. You know, I think there's no better time to join the officiating ranks. Uh, I know on the women's side, there's just so many incredible opportunities right now. Just the other day, they announced that U.S. Canada is playing a game in Seattle this fall for the rivalry series, and all of these games need officials. And so if you're looking to officiate some high-level games, there's so many incredible opportunities out there, and um, I encourage players to give it a shot it's another way to stay involved in the game much longer than your playing careers will last and um, it's a fun way to stay involved be be on the ice be part of the game 
meet some incredible people and see the world. That's great. And we'll have a chance to talk a little bit more about the uh, opportunities in officiating because, of course, I think one of our goals from this uh, discussion is we certainly want to encourage people to get involved. But, uh, Jean, you, you mentioned about abuse. Now, I think it's a common thing that in any profession uh, people are going to uh, start to retire, you know, once they have done something for a certain amount of time, they hit a certain age. But one of the driving factors leading people out of officiating is abuse. And that doesn't seem right. So what is your experience? What have you seen? And how has that changed over the years? Well, I I think the invention of the cell phone and video has really escalated the amount of violence against officials uh, to the point where it's made the national news like, right? The one thing that I I would mention, there might be 20,000 games here in the East, and we're talking of, of something of physical nature maybe happening in two games out of 20,000, but those are the ones that are brought to the, the, you know, the forefront. You know, another official is abused. Uh, I personally don't think anyone, any, no matter what sport it is, we came to do a job so that your kids could play, and then be, now we're getting assaulted because they don't like the way we're calling the game and whether, you know, the, the guy, the person has a lot of experience or not doesn't give somebody the right to come down and interject themselves and physically abuse somebody. That's what I think the, the real problem is. I think the escalation of, uh, you know, social media has brought a lot of this to light and maybe that's not a bad thing, but it's also not a good thing because it's hurting the perception of what's really going on. 99% of the games go off without any abuse or, or any type of controversies. Interesting. Katie, have you seen any sort of uh, similar experiences, any sort of abuse? Yeah, definitely. I do all levels of hockey. I jump out there for some youth games, help out some newer officials. And um, Saturday morning at 7 a.m., some parents are a little overexcited for their, their kids' games. And I think we just need to let the kids play and the parents just need to cheer for their kids. Um, and uh, certainly I think it, it – Pushes people out of the game. Um, I swapped my stick for a whistle after college, played college hockey at Brown and just really missed being around the rinks and jumped into some women's leagues playing. And, you know, it just wasn't quite the same and, and thought about getting into refing and was fortunate to find a mentor early on who was able to introduce me in the adult women's league. But then the next year I jumped right into the D3 college loop. And it wasn't until after that that I then went to youth hockey. And I think if I had started with youth hockey first, I I wouldn't be talking with you today. Um, You know, I had that taste of the college loop, which opened my eyes to to what was out there. But also, you know, I think there's a little bit more respect for the game as you as you develop in different levels. And um, some some parents are a little uh, overly excited during their games, and uh, it, it's hurting it's hurting their kids in the end because there are games that are going um, with with no officials, and if there's no refs, there's no game, and so the kids are in the long run are are the ones that are they're hurting from from the parents' behavior. Well, that's an interesting point because I think it's it, it also correlates a little bit to I think how a lot of coaches feel in the youth world. And I think that ties into uh, where, uh, how we got here. So you hear the word culture a lot. And I think there's certainly been a culture shift from generation to generation. You know, so I remember uh, growing up playing and, you know, my parents would pretty much drop me off at the rink and say, you know, you're on your own and good luck. You know, we're going to just sit in the stands. We're going to get a coffee. 
you know, it's, it's, it's very different today. So how has the culture changed in the game? I, it is absolutely changed. When, t- the turnaround on this is unbelievable. The college experience for a lot of kids just ain't going to be there. A lot of kids leave at 17, 18. And these parents are uh, putting so much pressure on their kids, not just us, but on their kids to exceed. And you could see it in the stands. I mean, I, I, sometimes I look up at the glass and I get these people banging on the glass because their seven-year-old missed the puck. And the and culture the culture part of it is that you know prep school comes into play you know you know people are scouting these kids at nine ten years old for you know a thirteen fourteen year old position so there's a lot of pressure on the parents financially to put the money up now so that the kids can compete at the college level I think that's what's fundamentally changed there's more pressure on middle America right uh, to get their kids to some place where they probably never were before couldn't agree more. You know, and it's uh, it, it's certainly not uh, furthering the game, and it's certainly not further furthering the involvement of officials. Yeah, I you know what, I, and it's not just on our side. I, I see it on the coaches. Uh, I've seen witnessed coming off the ice where parents are you know berating coaches because they they're up with a stopwatch and the kid thirty seconds missed ice time and they're in the guy's face. I've had that happen. Yeah, I mean, me. well, I, I see it. I'm going like, what are we doing here? Uh, are we for me when I was growing up? It was for us to stay off the street, not get in trouble. And hopefully, you know, we played high school hockey if we were lucky, right? Because we didn't have a lot of opportunities. But there's a lot of opportunities and people uh, like Bonkers over trying to get kids to the next level. Look what summer hockey's done. We skate more in the summertime, believe it or not, than we do in the winter. And you might think that's, you know, how does that happen? But we can skate every day in the summertime. There's something going on. Right. So what happens? These kids get to September. They're already burnt out. Certainly that we could almost go into a whole other discussion on oh, that. Yeah. You know, the uh, the way that hockey, the culture has has shifted. But let's revisit the uh, topic quickly on just the abuse of officials, because yep. that doesn't just involve physical. You know, as you said, like, yep. I think those incidents are uh, more uh, are publicized more because yep. of social media and phones and whatnot. But it also comes in a, in other forms, uh, such as just you know unhinged or over the top mm-hmm. parents in the stands. And how do you guys, if you can, sort of give us an example, like how how do you think that should be handled properly? Well, I think th- th- one of the things that I've been telling people now, if you're if you're physically assaulted, you should fill out a, f- a police report. Whether where it goes from there, who knows, but at least it's a recorded incident. And when we go to the state looking for legislation, we can say there's an increase, right? That's one. The the parent abuse, like yelling at the officials and going overboard and climbing over the glass, threatening people, I, I think that comes from the top. I think administrators uh, have to stop thinking uh, that they're not part of the problem. Because if they have people in their program and they know it's a problem and people don't want to go do their games, it's going to be a problem for them. I think the administrators really and the people in authority, whether it's by the USA Hockey or the NCAA, we, they have to be more proactive and letting them know that, you know, there's a person inside that shirt. We come to make sure your kids are playing. And the I, I really think it has to come from, from the league directors and administrators. And Mass Hockey has been at the forefront. I can't say enough of what they're doing. And Bobby Joyce and Kevin Cavanaugh have done a great job trying to, to, to put a lid on this thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. But until we see real action of parents being removed from a rink or removed from an organization because of this, the, it's going to escalate. I don't think it's going to decline. I think it's going to escalate. Interesting. Katie, 
what's your experience? Like if you were uh, in a sort of a hostile situation, you know, with maybe not physical abuse, but an over-the-top parent or fan, you know, what's generally been your approach? Yeah, to piggyback on what Jean was just saying, I think culture is a huge part of it. Um, I was out watching some family members in Minnesota play youth hockey at the U10, U11 level and out there there's not a culture of parents going crazy it's just not part of the game and so um you know i think the zero tolerance policy that is mentioned in in some rule books just needs to be enforced um i've had uh referees who ref lacrosse and hockey see the same parents on the sidelines of the lacrosse field that are in the rink screaming going crazy that don't say a word on the lacrosse field because they said that's not part of the game well is it part of the hockey game um we've allowed it to become part of our game in certain parts of the country um but it's definitely something that i think you know we need to enforce rule 601 more um and and you know and kick people out of the rank i always feel so badly for the kid uh when parents do you get the boot, which, which I, I admit I'm, I'm guilty of not doing that. But, um, you know, I think if, uh, if we start doing it more often, it might change the culture that we've created for ourselves. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think with this dialogue that we're having, you know, as we said, this is a really uh, hot topic right now. And we also have a platform where we can help to educate a little bit, you know, our, our fan base in, I think if we were to do so, you know, one of the messages that I think everyone should hear, and whether you're a player or an official or a coach, you, you're doing it because it should be fun. Correct. 100%. Right? And when it doesn't become fun, then you're just not going to do it. And if parents make it such that it's not fun for their kids, and, and I remember specifically being young and, like, coming up and playing, and... And I remember saying, like, I would have been mortified if my parents ever did anything like that, yeah. you know, got kicked out of a game or whatever. And, you know, it just it just wasn't like that years ago. Yeah. I, my son says the same thing. One of the things that he does mention, he goes, when the referees walk into the rink, they're already on the defensive. Like, what's going to happen to me today? Right. Who's going to yell at me? What, what, where am I going to make a mistake where it might cost me getting beat up? That's a serious thing. Right. We never felt like that when I come in. You come in, you talk to people, you had a coffee today. You you go in with your head down. And we used to go in with a little pride in our job today. You know, guys going in and out of the back out of the back door. So they, they're not being confronted by parents. It's completely changed. And I agree with 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 Katie just said, there's a lot of that responsibility on the officiating side. And, and I think. That's another thing that we have to do. We're telling our officials now to say, hey, defend yourself on the ice. If, it's, if the conduct is bad, address it. Because if you don't, it's just going to escalate. So that's a message to the referees that are listening out here. We need to do a better job controlling what we can control. And we can control the, uh, at least the verbal abuse through the 601. Seems a little silly when you say it out loud, huh? That we, uh, we have to prepare our refs for uh, physical abuse on, on the ice. But that's... That's Sadly, where we're at. that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where we're at. It, it's unfortunate, and trying to keep that, trying to keep those kids coming in. It's people don't realize how bad this really is. The numbers are in critical condition, and the one thing that we don't look at is the hockey that's expanding and the numbers that are shrinking. There's going to be a lot of games that are going to go dark, and I tell everybody without us, it's just a scrimmage. That's all that's going to be happening out there. 
Well, perhaps people will start to get the message when their kids' games start to get canceled because they couldn't line up officials. Yeah, and well, the other problem is, right, now when you see it and you see it and you're, you know, when you're out coaching, we have a lot of games with just one officials on them. Uh, I know that there's some states, Maryland in particular, from uh, discussions with them, they're making the point, we're not assigning uh, just one official to games. We're going to let you see how bad this really is, and when your games go dark, then you'll understand because we're assigning just to get games in. So the parents don't care. Hey, we just got the game in. Not a big deal, right? But what's that doing? It's taxing the officiating department, right? Got, officials are out there working by themselves. They're working twice as hard. They're getting tired, and they're aging out. We have a real problem if we don't do something about this, like, in a hurry. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. Located on a 50-acre campus just south of Boston, Lovell Academy is a boarding school specifically designed to train and educate elite student-athletes. Lovell Hockey's high level of expertise in player development and advocacy complements a challenging in-person academic program. The daily schedule maximizes opportunities for academic, athletic, and personal growth through block class periods, training sessions, and social activities in brand new state-of-the-art arena and academy facilities. Academics and hockey work together, encouraging student-athletes to transfer competencies and successes between the ice and the classroom. At Lovell Academy, your future starts with us. To learn more and take a virtual tour, visit lovellacademy.org. That's L-O-V-E-L-L for lovellacademy.org. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code Bando 30 off to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code Bando 30 off and see your performance improve immediately. So let's be uh, very specific, I think, with our audience. So according to the both of you, do you feel that we are leaning towards a shortage of officials? In oh, New England, oh, without without question, we're we're in we're in a critical condition, and that and that's going to affect everything. You know, we're discussing this at the NCAA level how bad it is because we're putting people into high level college games with not that four or five year background. So it's going to affect everything. It's not just going to affect youth hockey. You know, you're you're going to start seeing this creep into college games, and that's going to be that's going to really have an effect on the game. So, um, I I just think people would. You know, out there listening to this thing, just relax and let your kids play hockey and let them enjoy it. And you know, if they're if they got good skill sets, they're going to go regardless of what we what we do. 
I agree with you, though. I think it's, you know, more buy-in, I think, from the programs as well, yeah. you know, that it's essentially, you know, I think the message has to get across that that kind of behavior just isn't okay. It's cool. not okay towards a coach, certainly not okay towards an official, and you just, you wouldn't also be able to behave like that if you were just walking down the street either. It's amazing you say that because we say a lot of things, uh, things that happen in between the boards you'd probably be in jail for out in the street. <laughs> And I'm not talking about the abuse part. I'm not, you know, we have penalties for stick infractions, and when we enforce them, they want to hit us with the stick for enforcing it. And we've had referees hit with sticks. We've been spit on. Uh, my brother was one of those uh, officials who was uh, uh, pretty pretty well assaulted a couple of years ago in Rockland. So he, you know, those things, uh, those weren't simple assaults. Those things were pretty bad. Right. And, Sad. And so I think... In talking about that, you know, we, we already mentioned some things, but what do we think we have to do in order to, number one, correct some of the issues we're currently seeing with the people who are currently officials? Yep. And then, you know, getting more people involved. I, one of the things that Katie was talking about, and it brings to light on how much we're trying to bring people into the system, we're trying to make it as user-friendly as we can. We want to let people know that there are things in place coming into the season that are more proactive to make sure that you're coming to work. That's the way I look at it. You're coming to work. You shouldn't be assaulted coming to work, and that's my mentality on it. So the, the administrators should be looking out for their product and that we're part of that product. We're, we're part of making sure that the whole thing works, players and officials. Um, we we got to definitely find an easier way f- to get officials into the system. So I think certainly having some layers of protection for the refs, you know, i.e., you know, physical abuse, criminal charges. Yep. Uh, if it's ongoing uh, abuse in the stands or what have you, involvement, uh, you know, not only from the officials, just zero tolerance, but involvement from the actual programs. Uh, what about USA Hockey? Do you think that they should be kind of hammering down a little bit more and getting more involved because it is an ongoing issue and they will certainly be affected by this. Well, they just they have a, a national task force in place right now addressing all this. It's uh, been pretty proactive. And we know change ain't going to come overnight. We, we, we realize that because it's different, like Katie said, it's different in Minnesota than it is here. Uh, but they are working. They're being very proactive on how to address it. Um, from my end, it ain't fast enough because I'm the one that's getting abused. But... Uh, you know, I'll give them credit. They have started to take the proper things to make sure that we're working in an environment. I, I think the whole thing's going to come down to execution. You know, it's great that we have something on, on paper, but until we start executing and, and removing parents from the rink and saying, you know, this is going to be a problem. And ultimately, uh, me personally, as much as I hate to say this, maybe the kid has to go too because uh, let everybody know it's not just, it's going to affect everybody, not just the parent. Because if there's no sting, they're just going to keep coming back. And right. I, I, I don't want that road, but maybe that's one of the things we should be looking at. It's harsh, but I, unfortunately, you're probably correct. You know, that's the way to really kind of, I think, make a statement and, and just enforce change yep. over time. Yep. Uh, so, and Gene, how long have you been refing? I did my first game in 1974. Wow. Yep, and uh, just took a liking to it. Uh, it was a time in the city where parents wanted their kids off the street and I just happened to live near a rink and fell in, fell into it and never looked back. Uh, the rewards is, have been tremendous. The people I've met, uh, 
I could write a book on just the people that I ran into, the experiences. My son always says, if you're going to travel the United States, and I think, Katie, you could say the world, right, on somebody else's dime, uh, you get to see some real cool things if, you know, that's the path you want to take. I would never trade in anything that I've done. Some of the stuff, you know, I've been uh, never been accosted, but uh, I've been approached. Um, but taking that aside, on the officiating side, uh, you really are an ambassador. And when you get up to those higher levels, like Katie will tell you, it's a whole different experience. But uh, anybody who wants to get out and try it, I, I can't say enough about it. We have a real good development program. Katie is uh, now working with us on the women's side, and she's doing a great job of trying to get the women in and giving them, you know, the mentoring that they need. So we're doing a lot of things to, to keep this fun. And uh, I've, I've done it all. I've worked minor pro hockey, college hockey, you name it, been on both sides, and I wouldn't trade it in for the world. That's incredible. And certainly, you know, we, we thank you all for all those years of commitment and service. And, uh, you know, it's great because you're in a position now where you certainly don't have to be doing this. Uh, but it's it's wonderful to see that you want to make sure that things continue to go in a in a good direction. Yep. And on that, let's talk about uh, some fun stuff. So opportunities, you know, so if we're helping to grow officials and uh, grow that pipeline, you know, what are some things that we can help uh, tell some young people, you know, like, why would they get involved? What are some of their career paths? Uh, you know, is this a good source of income that they can make? Katie, you're a, you're a leading female referee currently in the United States. And maybe you sought out to do this or you didn't, but you're, you're a pioneer, you know, so you're certainly paving the way for a lot of, uh, you know, females who maybe want to follow your, your tracks. And so maybe just tell us a little bit more how you got into it. And you know, what are some of the opportunities that you see? Yeah, to your point, um, for any kid that's looking for a part-time job, this is a great, great gig. Um, you get to skate, you get to make some cash, you're part of the game. I think it increases your hockey IQ as your, you know, field of vision opens up and you are forced to see the whole ice versus a, a player. Sometimes you have your head down and you don't quite see plays develop. Um, but I did get into it because I, after college, was paying my way to play for the first time and uh, guess prices spiked back then uh, to four dollars a gallon and I realized uh, that uh, I was an econ major and quickly realized to play a 36 minute hockey game and I was driving an hour plus each way the the money wasn't uh, quite evening it out so I figured if I repped a couple games I could at least just uh, you know make my money for for playing in a in a woman's adult game so that's what I did and so I repped a couple games and and then went out and played and, and kids can do that too you know if you have a practice on a Saturday at 11 and there's some games in the morning you can get to the rink early do a couple games same thing on Sunday and um, I you know strongly encourage kids to give it a shot um, and try it I think there's just so many we see a lot of goalies become referees so I think throughout a game a goalie is just watching the whole the whole ice and the play develop and um, just like I think every player should try every position on the ice I think every player should try officiating just to see the game from a different lens. It opens your eyes to different perspectives. It forces you to see plays develop before they're happening, anticipate more out there, see all the players on the ice. Um, and uh, I wish I had done it earlier. I didn't start till after college, but it certainly would have been great to 
make some uh, spending money in college and, uh, you know, get up a little earlier on the weekends. But um, there's so many opportunities. Um, on the women's side, my mentor is Julie Piacentini. She went to the 02 and 06 Olympics and was the first female to wear the bands in the NCAA uh, final game on the women's side. And um, she actually didn't get to go overseas for a tournament until uh, Torino in, in 2006. She was supposed to go to China for a tournament and SARS canceled that in 2001. And besides that, all of her tournaments for world championships were in North America. Um, I was really fortunate. My first world championship was in 2010 and I went out to France and then had from 2010, um, I had a world championship every year overseas. Um, and then my IHF um, path ended in, in 2018 in, in Korea in Pyeongchang at the Olympics. So there's so many amazing opportunities on the women's side that they just keep expanding every year. So for people that want to stay involved in the game, um, now we have the, the PHF and the PWHPA and so many more college teams now are out there. And there's just uh, inc incredible opportunities to get a front row seat to some amazing hockey. And so I encourage people to try it. Um, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. When I first started, I, I kept a journal in my ref bag and after every game, I wrote down just one mistake I made that day. And that's something coaches, parents need to realize is that we're human. We're out there trying our best, um, but mistakes are going to be had. Uh, for officials, you know, we don't really get much time to practice. While we do have some Zoom conferences, and um, I know I, I had a power skating coach, but um, our, our games at various levels are our practices. So we're going to make mistakes out there. Um, my goal was just not to make the same mistake twice. Katie, that's great. Thank you. Wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderful role model for upcoming females who want to follow your path. So thank you. Of course. And Jean, quickly, you have a young person in front of you. Yep. Why should they get into officiating? Just for somebody that's getting into it, right? The on ice, they're going to get a lot of ice time. They're going to build confidence, right? And we try to let them see, like, we'll take some of these new kids, we'll take them to the junior games, we'll take them to a college game so they can see what it's like with the investment. Uh, for, for them, it's not just about, you know, the money's great, but think about everything else that goes on with it, right? You, you're, you're building relationships uh, on and off the ice. Uh, we still have a lot of coaches that I've been, we were talking a good story earlier today about uh, past coaches that we've gone along with and we're, we're friends with those, the coaches. We'll hold that for, for off, off the air. Oh, no, that's Some a great one. Yeah. Stories, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just good. Like, I mean, but like the camaraderie stuff, that's where I was going. But for the, for the most part, um, if I had a young kid in front of me, I would tell him, uh, you have a dream. Uh, and I'll give one example. Chris Rooney started with me when he was 11 years old. And he did game seven at the Boston Garden against St. Louis. And he calls me up in the morning of the game, and he goes, can you believe this kid from Southie? Well, you know, I'm working game seven at Boston Garden. And uh, I goes, yeah, it's a really amazing feat. So uh, kids can reach their dreams, right? And then uh, I told him, I goes, is there anything you're really thinking about? He goes, I just don't want to end up on page one. And he hung the phone up on me. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yep. So, I mean, that, there's a kid that started out with us. He was 11 years old, and, you know, he's, he just got through working game five in the Stanley Cup Finals. That, that's, the, that's the stuff you can do. You know, my son just walked off the ice. He just retired. He, he worked in Boston to the NCAA Finals. So, you know, there's nothing wrong. I always tell the kids when, if there's one dream that you have, 
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being in on a uh, referee on a Monday night in February. Oh, that's incredible. No, really, just listening to uh, both of your uh, experiences and, and how much knowledge you guys bring to the table, you know, I'm, I'm certain that you've convinced some people from this uh, session to really look seriously at getting into officiating. Uh, well, and that just about does it for this session. And Jean and Katie, we cannot thank you enough for joining us in studio today. I'm certain that today's discussion was very informative and resourceful to our following. Uh, and that does it for this edition of Rinkwise. Our podcast is a Siemens Media production and is produced by Steve Safran. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NE Hockey Journal and subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. And I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We'll see you next time.